unfortunately, within a few days of deciding that we were going to launch this company, and we, we made a LinkedIn post, which generated international buzz. We had over 200,000 impressions just within a couple of days of actually launching. And so that was really powerful for us. It, it brought enough eyeballs to our website where we had enough applicants to know that we were going to have a meaningful impact in the summer. Welcome back to Hack the Industry. Today on the show, we have Alex Littleton. Alex is CEO and co-founder of COVID Fellows, a business fellowship program that connects talented students without internships to small businesses to solve some of their most pressing problems amidst COVID-19. Alex is also a product manager for JP Morgan's Interbank Information Network. With prior experience as a venture capital fellow, he's well-equipped to handle the pressure of starting and running a 40-plus person organization, which he did within a month's time. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So appreciate the intro. Thank you so much. So this is going to be an exciting conversation. I'm really curious to hear your journey and hear how you put together this organization. I think it fits very, very well with our theme on the show of hacking the industry. Um, so to kind of kick things off, you know, what exactly is the COVID Business Fellowship Program and, and really what is the value add that it's bringing? Yeah, sure. H- happy to start there. Um, can walk you through the story. But at at its core, um, the COVID-19 Business Fellowship Program is a virtual internship program that connects students with small businesses uh, to complete digital marketing projects. And it was started about five or six months ago, um, more so as a business experiment than anything, um, like you said, to to solve one of uh, 2020's biggest issues. And... To, to date, it has transitioned into a bit more than that. So happy to dive in, happy to answer any questions and, and walk you through the story. Awesome. So I know there's kind of three main parties involved here, and that being the students, the mentors, and the small businesses. So um, can you kind of explain, you know, how, how do these three parties come together and really, you know, who, who's mm-hmm. playing a part here and, and what are they doing? Yeah, absolutely. So in, you know, March or April, when COVID hit, pretty much everybody had their internships canceled. A bunch of recent grads had their start dates delayed to January. Some are now delayed even further. And so we launched this program um, to create professional opportunity for students. Um, And we thought an innovative way of doing so amidst COVID, uh, when small businesses and local communities were struggling, would be to connect these students that lost their internships with local businesses to do project-based work um, for the summer of 2020. And so that's where the students and businesses that the two of the three stakeholders you mentioned come into play. And then we also have mentors and mentors, you know, I've did a a few internship programs when I was in college and that was one of the the main value adds having, you know, a professional mentor, someone to guide you through the summer. So we wanted to make it as legitimate as possible. So we thought to build out a mentorship program, which grew to over a hundred professionals ranging from, you know, people at Google, Deloitte, all the big tech firms, small startups, different entrepreneurs. Um, and they really acted as, I guess you could say pseudo managers for the, the summer to help students um, effectively complete their projects and to help manage the re- relationship between the business and the student. 
Yeah, Alex. So, you know, before uh, we were talking a little bit before you and I started this episode, and I was actually really excited with the impact that you mentioned to me um, you had on the students and the, the businesses that are part of this first cohort. So um, I, I want to have you kind of walk through how you put this amazing organization together in just, just a very short amount of time. Um, but before you do that, also, can you kind of walk us through the immediate impact that you've had thus far and, you know, how many students have been a part of this and how many businesses and mentors yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, when, when we set out for this, we had some really small goals and we said, let's just help five to 10 students. We know uh, a few local businesses. And then honestly, we, we were just going to mentor the students ourselves. But then, you know, things kind of caught fire. And by the end of the summer, we had created more than 65 internships for students um, working directly with 47 small businesses in Illinois. And those uh, students were mentored by a network of 103 professionals ranging from, you know, one to two years out of college to 20 to 30 years out of uh, college. So, you know, running businesses. And so, you know, not only did we have a massive scale um, given the short period of time, but we were really happy that people actually enjoyed the experience. So when we, you know, had students and businesses rate our performance and how satisfied they were with the program we had a 4.8 out of 5 on students and a 4.6 out of 5 on small businesses so i think you know that's that's always a fear as an entrepreneur starting something you know scaling too fast and worrying about sacrificing quality and you know fortunately we not only had quantity but we we maintained our quality so those were some of the highlights for the summer um and those are you know the high level numbers and doesn't really go into enough detail on the individual stories and the individual businesses that we we were able to impact. But yeah, I think that at least, you know, provides some general numbers for you. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and that's super exciting. And as you were telling me the story before and, and how, uh, just how quickly you were able to pull people together using your own network and using this team of 40 people that you've put together um, to run this program, I just thought that was fascinating. So can you, you know, walk us through each step of that um, and, and how did you put this together? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, for me, this this was a great learning experience. And I think, you know, I plan to start more business in the future. And so the process of starting an organization like this for me is an exciting topic to talk about. And so I think there were probably five key steps, um, which was, you know, generating the actual idea, building the team, which you alluded to, um, then getting market validation on the idea, which I think is often the most overlooked step in the process of launching a company. Um, organizing and allocating your resources and then execution. So, you know, within a month's time, that's from idea to organizing our resources and, you know, the execution itself took all summer, but it all started in April, honestly, on a Zoom happy hour where we, we were having just a general conversation about different ways that we could get involved in our community and, and ways to give back. And it was kind of a a light bulb moment for me. And that's really when things kicked off. And in the process of, or over the next couple of days, I made a couple of Facebook posts um, to just get some initial feedback from my friends, my family on the general concept of bringing students and small businesses together to, to kind of help save their summer and help save money for small businesses. And 
within just two days, I had about 30 to 40 people fill out a, a survey saying that they were interested in being involved. Um, and then I, I was also able to recruit the most important person, which was Walker, uh, my co-founder. And also happy to talk about the, the value of a co-founder uh, you know, a, a bit later in this conversation. And so at the end of the day, it was a team effort. Um, I was able to recruit the team super quickly, which is why we were able to execute really quickly. Um, and, you know, I, I'll diverge here for a second because I think it's, especially if some of your audience are college students, I think the biggest lesson I had is this proved to me the actual value of a network. I think you hear all the time, like it's, it's important to network and your network is your net worth. And, you know, a lot of those cliche things, but what I found is that having a highly engaged network of a lot of great people allowed my idea to be amplified overnight. And I think that's really what, what it's about because it was able to, to turn an idea into something more real because I had people that trusted me and wanted to work on a project with me. Um, and it also just enhances the overall process, right? You're building things with friends. The next couple of steps can, can go deeper on, but it's just market validation. So we had a couple of different phases of market validation. Um, and then actually organizing a big team and then executing over, you know, throughout a constrained timeline were some of the next steps. Yeah. So um, throughout that process, you were, you were talking with different uh, people from your network, as you mentioned. So can you talk about how you really push the marketing behind this um, for the small businesses? How did you get those businesses on board with this program and, and what did you pitch to them? Um, and then on, on, on top of that, how did you pitch this to the students to get involved and how yeah. did you really market this? Yeah, absolutely. So that, that actually goes right into the market validation piece. So um, we use social media, which, which is such a powerful tool. Um, so we did two phases. So my first phase, I guess, was the Facebook post, just validating the actual idea, but then um, made a series of LinkedIn posts. And so fortunately, within a few days of deciding that we were going to launch this company, and we, we made a LinkedIn post, which generated international buzz. We had over 200,000 impressions just within a couple of days of actually launching. And so that was really powerful for us. It, it brought enough eyeballs to our website where we had enough applicants to know that we were gonna have a meaningful impact in the summer. And so that, that really kicked things off for us. And it, was, it allowed us to get the word out, not only to students and mentors, but also small businesses. So we worked, we, we were able to network with different people on LinkedIn and you know, we worked directly with some chambers of commerce in Illinois to get on distribution lists um, and get the word out to small businesses that there was this opportunity for the summer. And then we also worked directly with different universities to recruit some of their students. Um, so yeah, it, it was really the power of social media. We were able to reach hundreds of thousands of people in what felt like no time. And it was able to, you know, that that's what really powered us in the early days and gave us the momentum to, to feel like our work was worth all the effort. Um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. There actually was one other piece that we did. So once we had... A lot of interest we then did surveys and so this is i guess the market validation piece um we surveyed 50 small businesses just asking them like what what do you need help with right now and we thought and i don't know why this was our assumption but we thought 
they were going to say technology consulting, like helping them, you know, with new software. Um, and then we also thought they were going to say strategy consulting, like helping them think through how their business models are going to shift in a post COVID era. And neither of those were really interesting to small business owners. What they were most interested in 80% responded with digital marketing, which came out of left field for us. We already, you know, we're kind of going down a totally different path. We, we had, you know, a full like technology consulting arm that we, we were ready to stand up. And then we got the data back and we were like, wow, okay, no one's going to find that useful. And so we did a full pivot and 100% of projects were all digital marketing. Um, and I think that's what ended up resulting in such positive or, you know, led to such positive results is that we asked the market what they needed before we actually built anything. Yeah, that's and that's a really powerful statement that just goes to show that even in these these COVID times, um, the same tr uh, you know true and tried principles still still uphold um, with regards to starting a business. And I think it's it's uh, interesting you mentioned this pivot you had to digital marketing. So essentially, you know, to put it into one sentence, you were able to put together a digital marketing uh, firm that offers pro bono services to small businesses with the help of students that are out of internships, um, which sounds like a great idea. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm curious, you know, with your background, as I mentioned in the introduction, you, you don't really have a lot of uh, professional expertise in digital marketing. Um, I, I believe you studied finance in school. So I'm curious from that perspective, what did you learn about um, the art of delegation and, and, and how to really ramp your own knowledge up to make sure that you're really crafting together the best uh, set of services to offer your clients, which those being the small businesses. Yeah, I think, I think you actually oversold my experience in marketing by saying I knew next to nothing. I think I actually knew nothing. Um, I took a single marketing class in college and, um, you know, candidly, probably didn't learn as much as, as I should have in the, in the coursework. And so I went into this pretty blind. Fortunately, my co-founder had a bit more experience in digital marketing. Um, but the key for us wasn't that either of us needed to be subject matter experts. Um, more so, we just had to lead the initiative. We had to bring together a large group of people and have them all marching in the same direction and in sync. And so what we did is, um, you know, we knew we weren't going to be the ones to to teach students digital marketing, and we knew we weren't going to be able to be the ones to master the services. So we started reaching out to everyone networks that we could, and we put together a um, digital marketing training program. It was a two week boot camp, and you know, we put this together, and we probably gave ourselves two weeks to structure the whole thing. And what the way it worked is, we had a guest speaker each day. So people from, you know, Fortune 500, people from social media marketing agencies, people from all over the country, we brought them in to teach different topics every single day. So first we had to ask, I mean, I, I literally had a conversation with um, someone that works in marketing and just asked like, what are, you know, the 10 main topics that we should teach students? And, you know, so we, we built out a curriculum and together had, a bunch of trainers and each day students had a quick like 30 minute to an hour lecture you know i'm not one that likes to just sit and listen i i'm more so a doer and so that's how we did our training so each day the students would listen to someone 
and then they would have a goal for building. So for instance, the day that we taught people how to build websites on Squarespace and Wix, they had to actually build a website and they were given a case study. Um, same thing with building out a social media page. They had to define a social media strategy. They had to do a brand strategy, competitive analysis. They had to build things. We gave a framework, but every single day they had to, to build using a case study. And so for us as people that didn't have expertise, we just brought together the smartest people we knew um, and in good faith, just knew that it would work out and got pretty honestly lucky that so many smart people were willing to volunteer so much of their time. Yeah. And I find that very fascinating that you did that all in-house and you really made sure that everyone was on the same playing field um, so that you can offer the same uh, best quality of services to these different businesses taking part. Um, so that makes me curious. You know, we were also talking about your the interview process for this fellowship. And, um, you know, while those numbers are really great and, and we'll talk a bit about how, how you're expanding this as well, um, it's not really, uh, you know, when everyone can come kind of thing. There is an interview process and there is a selection bar um, that's part of this program. And can you maybe talk a bit about how you designed that? And I think it's, it's pretty innovative and pretty cool. So can you, can you talk about, talk about that process? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at, at first we thought we were going to have to beg people to, to do this program and then it ended up being incredibly competitive. I think the acceptance rate was like 25% or um, something along those lines. And that, that was in the summer, right? And we decided to relaunch in the fall and we took another look at our interview process and identified probably three main pain points that we wanted to innovate on and solve. So first was we spent a ton of time interviewing, just like managing schedules among five to six interviewers and hundreds of students. Um, that was a massive pain point. The next was consistency. So you have, you know, everyone has... The whole process is, is subjective. People, you know, rate candidates differently. And so a seven out of 10 to me might be a four out of 10 to someone else. And so we just had inconsistent ratings across the board and we did our best, but that was something we wanted to improve. And then finally, um, the summer cohort just wasn't representative of the Chicagoland community, specifically when looking at race. And so these were the three main things that we wanted to improve upon. So we actually, reached out to a corporation, Wonderlick, and we structured a partnership with them where, um, you know, they loved our mission. And so they were happy to, to provide us with some software and it's pre-employment assessment software. So every single student that applies, rather than us reviewing their resume and, you know, deciding if they get an interview, they take a cognitive personality and motivation assessment and so based on their score, we then de determine if they have an interview. So that, you know, solved the, um, or attempts to solve the, the representation issue. And so then once someone has an interview scheduled, we decided to, to do all recorded interviews. And so each candidate has a different list of interview questions based on how they did on their pre-employment survey so, or um, pre-employment assessment. So some of them, you know, that maybe had weak cognitive ability, they would be asked more questions um, in that arena so that it could help us understand their weaknesses and better, um, um, you know, interview them. And so every single candidate then submits a video to a Google Drive and then our team 
we now have that documented and multiple people can look at it. So this, this just some small, you know, modifications to the process solved a lot of our problems. It cut down our interview time, you know, probably by 90 plus percent. Um, it's going to improve our consistency because multiple people can watch the same interview. And then, you know, we'll see once we get our results, but hopefully it removes some bias uh, from the process. Yeah, absolutely. I want to switch topics a little bit to more on these small businesses themselves. Um, so, you know, it's it's painfully obvious that COVID-19 really exposed this need for pretty much every small business you can think of to have a digital presence, a digital footprint. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, when when 80% of the survey responses came back saying that, hey, you know, more than any sort of other help, uh, we could really use some help in digital marketing. Um, and what pain points did you discover when talking to these businesses? What specifically within digital marketing were they having issues with or trouble with? Uh, and, and how did you address that? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's definitely a spectrum. Uh, some, you know, business owners that are super early, they just don't know what they don't know. So they don't even know what to really ask for when it comes to digital marketing. And then the other, you know, end are businesses that either can't find the right talent to implement a strategy or just can't afford the resources. And so some of the main ones is first off, everybody just needs a digital presence and that presence needs to reflect their brand. So whether it's their website, their social media, right. It's like getting that digital storefront just up, um, getting that, you know, digital billboard just up and getting your social media, everything. And the next piece is just enhancing it and growing it. And so doing so with search engine optimization, that that was a, a small thing that really really isn't, you know, just at the most basic level, doing SEO can help a business generate so much more traffic. We had um, one business over 300% increase in their foot traffic just by doing some small SEO for them. And so that's really just helping them enhance their, their digital presence and so I would say those are probably the two main uh, pain points. And they're, it's so basic, right? It, it was almost surprising that there's all these businesses that didn't have this built out. And it's just because they didn't need to before COVID. Um, they could still survive with, without having a great website and without you know, enabling people to order goods through their website. That was still okay, you know, seven months ago. But all of that changed. And in the past five months, if you didn't, if you weren't discoverable online and, and couldn't conduct business online, those were the businesses that suffered the most. And so that's where we came in to help. Um, and, you know, that's, that's where we'll continue to help. Yeah, I love that. So on that point, what is, what is V2? What's version two? What's next for this program? What are you, what's in your pipeline? <laughs> so, you know, that's a great question. I think we're still going back and forth with a couple different avenues. And at the end of the day, we really like what we built and we didn't mean to, right? We viewed it as a business experiment and we were just fascinated by solving a real problem, like something we saw every day, something we knew people going through painful experiences that we just wanted to help. And so we didn't have a sustainable business model in mind because for us, we were just, you know, solving a problem. And now we're at this point 
where we've built something, more than 200 people have gotten involved. People are really enjoying it. And so it's like determining what that sustainable business model is. And so when you ask about V2, it can go a few different directions, but the one that we're most excited about and one that we're starting to pursue is working directly with universities um, to help them run these types of programs within their own um, institutions. So, you know, if you think about what we've done, we've brought together students, alumni, community members, and um, also corporations. We haven't really touched on that point that much, um, but we've brought together all these stakeholders with students in the middle. And we think there's an opportunity for us to, to really work directly with universities, help them prove out their value proposition with, you know, an experiential learning solution um, and a, all virtual, right? So as universities attempt to move online um, and provide meaningful education, we, we've already done it and we'll continue to do so. So I think that's what we're most excited about. And we're in the early stages with a couple of universities um, so, so we'll see where that goes. That's that's just awesome to hear. And I'm sure that we'll have uh, a conversation in just another few short months where you'll mm -hmm. say, hey, look, we've expanded to, uh, you know, so many different universities. So I'm just personally, I'm very excited to see the growth of this program and see how many more people it can help and impact. Um, a super exciting call to action for our listeners listening to this who might be in school or might be uh, small business owners or know someone who is, uh, applications are actually still open for the fall cohort and they close on September 28th. Um, so if any listeners are interested or have someone who they know could be interested, uh, either as an intern or as a mentor, um, you know, where can they go to apply? They can go to uh, codefellows.com and so you'll see um, in the get involved tab, um, you should have some, some applications for businesses, fellows and mentors and looking forward to, to seeing some applications. Do you have anything else to add Alex before we sign off for the episode? No, I don't think so. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for the time. Thanks to our listeners for listening. Um, definitely, if you're interested in applying, um, share this episode with your friends, your colleagues, anyone who may you may know who could be interested. Um, thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you're following. Hit that follow on Spotify. Um, and we'll see you next time.